welcome to the 91st episode of Egg Timer Philosophy. I'm your host, Eric Roark, and today I'll be covering the topic of what role, if any, history ought to play in our moral assessments of economic inequality. For many people, an ahistorical snapshot of the world signals something drastically wrong with the massive degree of economic inequality around the world today. And there are lots of examples of massive economic inequality, both globally and relative to specific countries. To name just a few, the richest 1% of people around the world possess roughly half of all wealth in the world. And it's not uncommon for the CEO of a very large firm in the United States to earn well over a thousand times the income of a typical worker in that firm. Trends of mass economic inequality have only rapidly accelerated during the pandemic. There is no doubt that tremendous economic inequality is a feature of our world. The main question I want to tackle in this episode is whether moral judgments about economic inequality can be made by simply looking at a present snapshot, revealing very unequal circumstances, or whether history needs to be taken into account when morally assessing economic inequality. To help frame this issue, let's consider an example given by Robert Nozick involving the basketball legend Wilt Chamberlain. I'll paraphrase and take a few liberties with the example, and it comes from Chapter 7 of Nozick's Anarchy, State, and Utopia. To start the example, assume that we put into place whatever fair and equal distribution that you prefer. So it's a bit idealistic, but you pick it. It can be as far left and egalitarian a system of economic distribution that you want. Now, after you decided this, let's also say that everyone has their fair share, however you defined it, and that's where we'll start from. It just so happens that many people in our example, all with their initial fair shares, really enjoy seeing Wilt Chamberlain dunk a basketball. It makes them feel happy to see this, and it gives them pleasure. So Wilt decides to put on a dunking exhibition, and he charges everyone a dollar or a quid or a franc, whatever currency you want to add here, to see him. After a year or so, Wilt has amassed a tremendous amount of money from these exhibitions. And we could also imagine that others, maybe many others, are doing something similar to Wilt with their talents and labor, and that doesn't need to be limited to sports. Wilt becomes far richer than anybody else, and because of this, the society that started perhaps on very equal economic terms isn't so equal anymore. By free exchange, people have made choices with their initial fair shares. Again, determine that however you wish. And that, and this, through Wilt Chamberlain's dunking exhibitions, has become less and less equal through time. If we just look at the ahistorical snapshot after the year was over, many might see the situation and describe it as a world with per pervasive and assumed unjust mass economic inequality. But when we add the historical perspective, that's at least a tougher sell. Yes, clearly after the year, the world has a lot of economic inequality. 
But this came about because people took their initial equal fair shares and voluntarily made choices that resulted in this stark economic difference. History ought to play at least some role when we think about economic inequality. Say instead of Wilt, we have someone named Albert who just steals until he's much wealthier than other people. And we can add here that there might be others like Albert. Let's go a step further and say the economic inequality after a year is the exact same in both the Wilt case and the Albert case. But despite the ahistorical snapshot giving us the same view of economic inequality after a year in both cases, there is a heck of a difference between what Wilt is doing and what Albert is doing that brings about the same conditions of economic inequality. We need historical perspective here to see why the economic equalities exist and whether there is anything unjust about them. We can't know this just by utilizing an ahistorical snapshot in time. Very few people, for good reason, would morally assess the economic inequality in, the, in these two examples the same. So aside from history mattering, when we're thinking about economic inequality, Nozick also wants to use the Wilt Chamberlain example to show that liberty and voluntary exchange tend to hijack any attempts that might be made to establish some idealistic or egalitarian system of economic or distributive justice. Liberty interrupts patterns, specifically patterns designed to secure an egalitarian outcome, as Nozick puts it. Now, there are some critiques to the Will Chamberlain example that are worth bringing into the episode. The example actually makes quite a few assumptions that are a bit below the surface. It assumes that in Wilt society, people have rights to property, to private property, and to transfer that property largely as they see fit. Without this assumption uh, or practice taking place, Wilt isn't going to be able to amass so much more wealth than the average person. And so when I said earlier, go ahead and set up any system of just distribution you, wi you wish, that wasn't entirely the case. If you set up a system without private property or without the ability to transfer your property by paying to see Wilt dunk, then the example really ne never gets off the ground because under that system, Wilt is never able to secure differential levels of property. So if your preferred system was a strict Marxist conception, then Wilt was never able to get off the ground literally to dunk or figuratively in an economic sense. Also, if your system had a 100% tax on earnings at the end of the year, then after Wilt paid his taxes and the fair and equal distribution of taxes were made back to others, then we would be back to square one with Wilt, and he'd be no more wealthy than anyone else. So these are possibilities, but they are also possibilities that come at a price. It's probably unlikely that Wilt is going to be putting on his dunking exhibitions if he has to pay all the money he earns back from them in taxes. People then wouldn't have the opportunity to decide if seeing Wilt dunk is worth anything to them in terms of their resources. And the their resources in this last sentence is critically important. 
if your ideal initial form of economic distribution actually affords people their resources to do as they wish with them, then it's probably inevitable that through voluntary exchange, economic inequality will result. The way to present the way to prevent this would be to either have an economic system where no one possesses their resources, say in the form of prohibiting private property, or to set strict limits on the liberty of what people are allowed to do in terms of transferring their resources. One last point here on the topic is really important to make. Taking the role of history seriously when thinking about economic inequality is no license to defend the present status quo of massive inequality in our world. That shouldn't be the takeaway of the Wilt Chamberlain example. You don't have to have a doctorate in history to know very well that a great deal of economic inequality in our world is a direct result of very unjust things that have happened. There's probably no single inch of land that if we go back far enough in history, and many times we wouldn't have to go back that far, that was not subject to expropriation or unjust taking. Nozick, for his part, acknowledges this, and his solution is basically to start all over, given all the economic injustice that has occurred, and use John Rawls's difference principle to start anew with an economically just society, and then, and then proceed from there with just voluntary economic exchanges, which theoretically, as in the case of Wilt, could develop into a world with morally permissible economic inequality. But Nozick and very few others think that an appeal to our actual history goes very far in a moral defense of the vast economic inequalities we see in the world today. Until next time on Egg Timer Philosophy, wishing you good philosophical vibes.